Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Prager Store. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. I stood in Bethlehem just a a short time ago 
I stood in the city square, and I thought about <coughs> I thought about Jesus and the birth. I was stunned by how angry the little town of Bethlehem is today. Christians are being driven out. There will soon be no more Christians in Bethlehem. A dirty, ugly little town. That's where Jesus came. It's what we call Christmas time today. It's a time of reflection, a time to think about what we're really doing with our lives. This was not an easy time when Jesus was born. It was not, of course, December 25th probably sometime in the spring. But Jesus was born of a virgin. He was born not as the King of kings and Lord of lords, although he was that. He was born as a baby. And this was a very difficult time for Joseph. We find the story in Matthew, the first chapter. We find that Mary was betrothed or engaged to Joseph. They had not yet come together sexually, and she was found to be with child out from the Holy Spirit. But Joseph didn't know that. He'd heard her story. He was an older man. The scriptures say in verse 19, but Jesus, but Joseph, her husband, being righteous, Joseph, her husband, being righteous, did not want to disgrace her so decided to secretly divorce her or break the engagement. Now his thinking, having been with reference to those things, he was very troubled. He was disturbed. He was grieved. He thought she'd been unfaithful to him. He loved her. But suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And he said, Joseph, son of David, you may not fear to take Mary, your wife, for the one having been conceived in her is out from the Holy Spirit. She will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus. Mark it well. In the Greek, this is a high emphasis. Look, mark this very well. This is important. He himself will save his people from their sins. Uh, 
just had to stop and wait there and ask the Lord, would you make this plain to me? Mark it well. This is a high emphasis. This has great significance. He himself, that is Jesus by himself with no other, will save his people from their sins. Now in the Greek, it's very demonstrative. It literally is saying he will rescue, he will save his people by lifting them up from their sin or lifting the sin up off of them. They're bearing a very heavy burden called sin. You know, sin is a desperately heavy burden. It is a crushing burden. And the angel is saying, look, your burden is going to be lifted from you. It will be literally removed. Now, I want you to get the significance of this, and some of you are missing it. He's not saying you will continue to walk in your sin, but grace will cover you so that you'll be okay with God. Because when God looks at you, he won't see you, he'll see Jesus. That's not what it says. Don't, don't interpret the scripture with what the scripture does not say. Don't make the scripture fit your preconceived ideas. Listen to what the literal words of scripture are saying. He's saying he will save his people. That is, he will rescue his people. If a man is drowning and I throw him a life vest and I help him into it and I bring him ashore, you can say I saved this man's life. What do we mean? I mean, I took this man out of the troubled waters where he would die. He's no longer in the troubled waters. He is now on the shore safe and sound. That man has been saved from drowning. Or Jesus, as he comes out of the Beatitudes, the first thing that he does is he meets a leprous man. And the leprous man says, Jesus, as he falls down before him, I know you can heal me if you want to. And Jesus reaches out his hand and touches the leper and saves him. Saves him from a miserable, painful, anguished life and death. He saves him. Now, does the leper still have leprosy? And now Jesus is just saying, go your way, and and I've given you a little bit of comfort. And when you die, I'll take you to heaven. Is that what he's saying? No. He's saying, the leprosy is gone. Go offer the offering to the priest at the temple so you can go home and resume your life 
you have been saved from leprosy. I want you to to begin to comprehend this in your heart and begin to enjoy the truth of what I'm saying to you. The angel said he will save his people from, that is, out from, apo, out from. He will save his people from their sins. He will lift the sin up off of his people and set them free. Now, sin is a heavy, heavy burden. And there's a passage of Scripture I want to share with you that details some of what King David in the Old Testament, what he thought about sin. In Psalm 38, Lord, do not punish me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have sunk into me, and your hand has pressed down on me. There's no health in my body because of your indignation. There is no strength in my bones because of my sin. For my sins have flooded over my head. Sin is heavy. You cannot stay above the water with sin. It will drown you. It will cause you to have recriminations in your heart. It will steal your sleep. It will cause you to have shadows of anxiety and desperation. And some of you have shadows of desperation. And you think it's because you don't have enough money. Or you have shadows of despair and discouragement because somebody doesn't love you the way you think they should love you. You don't assign it to your sin. But all anguish of heart comes because of sin. Maybe not your sin, but someone's sin. Jesus anguished on the cross. But it wasn't because of his sin. The Garden of Gethsemane, he bled like sweat. It was blood coming out. He anguished. But it wasn't because he was a sinner. But for us, now all anguish is caused. All, all suffering flows out of sin. Again, maybe not our sin, but it's out of sin. When my late wife was dying of cancer, people said, it's because she's a great sinner. No, she was a saint. She was clean before Jesus. But her suffering was very much because of sin. Because we live in a world filled with sin. But I want you to hear me that sin in your life becomes a burden that causes you great anxiety if you're conscious. Now, you can be very unconscious. I've met people who, who are in great misery because they don't have enough money to pay for their bills, but they don't recognize that it's flowing out of their own sin. 
and I ask them if they're right with you, they say, oh, yes, I'm right with Jesus. But they don't understand. They've not been convicted of their sin. It's a good thing to begin to recognize the heavy burden we carry on our back if we carry that burden. You remember the story of of Pilgrim in the book by Jonathan um, Bunyan. It was a man carrying a heavy burden on his back. The burden was identified after he began to read the scriptures and he began to see that God was going to bring judgment against him for his sin. And he began to identify his sin because the scripture describes what is sin. David said, my wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. I am bent over and brought low. All day long I go around in mourning, for my loins are full of burning pain, and there is no health in my body. I am faint and severely crushed. I groan because of the anguish of my heart. Lord, my every desire is known to you, My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart races. My strength leaves me. And even the light of my eyes has failed. My loved ones and friends stand back from my affliction and my relatives stand at a distance. Those who seek my life set traps and those who want to harm me threaten to destroy me. They plot treachery all day long. I'm like a deaf person. I do not hear. I'm like a speechless person who does not open his mouth. I'm like a man who does not hear and has no arguments in his mouth. I put my hope in you, Lord. You will answer, Lord, my God. For I said, don't let them rejoice over me. Those who are arrogant toward me when I stumble. For I'm about to fall and my pain is constantly with me. So I confess my guilt. I'm anxious because of my sin. My enemies are vigorous and powerful. Many hate me for no reason. Those who repay evil for good attack me for pursuing good. Lord, Lord, do not abandon me. My God, do not be far from me. Hurry to help me, Lord, my Savior. It's David's desperate cry. He knows his sin. And his sin is an exceedingly heavy burden that is pressing down upon him. And he is broken by it. His health is broken by it. He's in a desperate place. I know today some of you who are listening to this broadcast in a desperate place. You're in a desperate place. And you're crying out, Lord, Lord, save me. Rescue me. Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil. 
Jesus came to save you from your sin, to lift it up off of your life. David is modeling for us what we must do even today. Acknowledge the brokenness of our life and of our hearts and go before the Almighty God and put ourselves entirely, completely in His hands and ask Him to please rescue us. The doctors can't rescue you. Money will not rescue you. Nowhere in Scripture does it ever say that money lifts sin up off our hearts or that doctors can lift sin up off our hearts. The only answer is found in the man Jesus, born in the manger in Bethlehem. Now some of you think of Jesus as a symbol of peace and goodwill. That's not really who Jesus was or is today. Jesus today is a kind shepherd. Jesus is merciful and compassionate, particularly toward the poor and the broken. Jesus came to save us from our sin. came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus to register all the inhabited world. This was the first census while Quinarius is ruling Syria. And they were all going to be registered, each one to his own city. So Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David which is called Bethlehem, or House of Bread. Because he is out of the house and the family of David. Now that journey would take them probably between three and four days of walking, minimum. I don't know if Mary rode a donkey or if she walked. But they made that long journey, camping out at night, walking in the heat of the day, walking in the rain showers in the springtime. They walked to Bethlehem. Now, after they had arrived there, the days of her pregnancy were fulfilled and she gave birth. She gave birth to her son, the firstborn, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Just some historical facts. They didn't have Marriott inns or days inns or any other kind of inn. The inn spoken of here was probably just a walled area on three sides and open on one side 
and people would be allowed to come in and uh, take their space and set up their camping gear. And that's where they would stay, often a bright fire at the entrance with guards against thieves or brigands that would come and try to take anything. So it was semi-secure, but it was right out in the open. There was certainly not a private room. But there was no room for them there. They also had caves in Bethlehem. And when I was in Bethlehem, I went to the cave they think that Jesus probably was born in. We don't know for certain. But in that cave, people would camp out in the front and they would keep their animals in the back so that no one would steal them. They would bring a small herd of goats or cattle, sheep, lambs. They traveled with their livestock. That was where they kept their money. And so Jesus is blessed because there's no room in the inn because evenings no doubt were cool and the heat coming off the animals that were kept in the back of the cave would have warmed the room in that area where Mary and Joseph could set up their their small camping. And the only place to lay the baby was in the manger, a feed trough for animals. But no doubt with fresh hay and everybody very excited to see the birth of a child. Everyone, I'm sure, came to see this child. A very humble family without financial resources. He was a carpenter, as it's traditionally said, but probably not, probably a stonemason because there were not many trees and not much wood to work with. Almost everything was built with stone. So he probably was more of a stonemason. He might find some work there. But no doubt it was a time of great stress. And they were carefully husbanding the small amount of money they had with them. Now, Jesus is born they wrap him in the swaddling clothes. They lay him in the manger. And there were shepherds in that same area of Bethlehem. And there are also today shepherds, I saw them, with their sheep staying out in the fields. And the shepherds were awake. They were keeping the night watch, taking turns watching over their sheep. Some would sleep and some would be awake. And then suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. I mean, suddenly the sky just lit up. Everything was, was 
brilliantly lit in the camp. The angel said to them, Stop being afraid. Stop being afraid. We say, fear not. No, what he was literally saying was saying, stop being afraid. I want you today, if you don't hear anything else I say, I want you to let this sink into your soul. Jesus came to save you from the heavy burden of sin on your life. He came to save you. That is, to remove the sin from your life to make you innocent, to make you righteous, to wash you, to scrub you, to break every addiction. Some of you listening today are deep into alcohol addiction or you're deep into opiates or some other drug. Jesus can break that addiction right now if you're willing to let him. Some of you are deep into pornography. Some of you are deep into having an affair committing adultery or fornicating. Some of you are just flat-out liars, thieves. I'm coming today to save you those heavy burdens of sin that you're carrying. Jesus came to pick up from you, to remove them, to lift them off of your heart. Some of you are hopeless in your heart because you don't see any escape. You don't see any way through financially or or physically. You're at the end of the rope. Thank you, Jesus. That's where he comes and helps us. And he says to you, stop being afraid. Now, the only reason you should stop being afraid is because you're going to be rescued. And you are going to be rescued. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Do you need a total change in your life? Some of you are so bored with what you're doing. You just grind out day after day because that's what you have to do to survive, you think. Some of you are, you own a company and the company is going the wrong direction as far as you're concerned and you don't know how to turn it around. Some of you in partnership with your brother or, your, or someone else, and you just, you hate it. You're miserable. You're bored. You're dying. Jesus came to lift that up off of you. And he's saying to you, stop being afraid. In other words, come alive. Lift up your head. Your redemption draws near. Jesus can deliver you from whatever the circumstances are today that you find binding you and discouraging you and casting you down. Jesus came to rescue you, to lift up that heavy burden off your heart. The angel said, Stop being afraid. He says, you've got to understand this. I am announcing good news to you. I'm coming today on this broadcast, and I'm saying to you, stop being afraid. I have awesome news for you. 
there was born to you today a Savior, the angel said, in the city of David, who is Christ, who is Messiah, the I Am. Remember when the Lord appeared to Moses out there in that wilderness, in that desert, in the burning bush, and he gave him directions that he was supposed to go and rescue the children of Israel. He'd already been there. He'd already done that. He'd tried. He'd failed. He'd almost killed him. He had to run for his life. And now he was safe out in the wilderness of Moab with his wife and his his two children. And life was good. He didn't need anything. And the Lord came and said, Now go bring my people out of Egypt. And in that conversation, he said to him, who should I say is sending me? The answer was, I, I am. I am is sending you. And now, we're hearing, the angel is saying, it's Christ, the I, I am. It's the same person who was born in Bethlehem as stood with Moses beside that burning bush and gave direction. It was the same Jesus who spoke the Ten Commandments from Mount Sinai. It was the same Jesus who walked with the children of Israel. And they all refused to stop being afraid. They all refused to believe in him. And so they died in the wilderness the only way you can live, the only way you can make it through what you're facing is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the I, I am. Who is Christ the Lord. And this is the sign for you. You will find the infant having been wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. I wonder if the angel almost misspoke. I wonder if what he wanted to say is, you will find our commander-in-chief wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Because that's who he was. Jesus, the infant child, was the commander of heaven and earth. The owner of heaven and earth the creator of heaven and earth, the one who spoke from Mount Sinai. This is the I am God. Jesus is the I am God. And suddenly, it's like, (laughs) the way I see it is that an angel was commissioned to go and make this announcement to these poor shepherds. But other angels, I I think, must have said, hey, can I go too? Can I go too? Can I go? Can I go? And the father said, yes, you can go, but stay out of sight. Let him make the announcement. So he made the announcement. But suddenly, this whole angelic host bursts out in brilliant light 
praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and upon earth peace among people of divine favor. They couldn't contain themselves. The angels were so excited about this occurrence, about this birth of their master, of their Lord. They were so excited about the birth of Jesus, they didn't understand how he could possibly do this. But oh, he was coming as their Messiah, the people's Messiah, to save them from their sin. Now, let me bring a a different perspective in on this. Jesus wasn't just coming to save human beings. These human beings have been created in the image of God. They've been molded by the hand of God out of the out of the dirt. Then he bent down and breathed into them the breath of life. And they became living souls. And now the weakest of God's creation, the the ones who are to become the very wife of God. The devil says, oh, no, you don't. The most powerful being that God had created was the devil. Lucifer, son of the morning. The archangel. But he rebelled against God and was cast out. And the earth was part of where he roamed. And he came and said, I will deceive these people that belong to the Lord. And I will steal them. And God will see and the universe will see how foolish God was and how impossible it is to serve him. And they will say, see, Satan was right. God, you are unfair. And suddenly we have laid out on the stage of the universe a play, a a dramatic play, a tragic play. A play where it is good against evil. The reputation of God is on the line. It didn't take Satan very long to seduce Eve and the way into Adam's heart was through his beautiful wife, Eve, and it's still very often that way. Adam did not do his job. He did not guard the Garden of Eden from an enemy. He could have commanded that serpent to depart and never return. He could have asked the Lord God of heaven to send a guardian angel to protect the entrance. He had many options. He did not use them. He did not do what God had commanded, which was to care for the garden, because he let a serpent in. And now this couple, with one sin, joins the rebellion of the devil. And now all of their offspring are created after their kind 
Remember, that was the rule of creation. Everything created after its own kind. Horses produce horses. Cows produce cows. You don't find dogs being born of a cat or a cat being born of a dog. Each produce after its kind. That's the rule of creation. And now we have Adam the sinner man and Eve the sinner woman. And they create after their kind. And so we have Cain and Abel. A murder. Sin is the most horrific, detestable, ugly thing in all of the universe because it leads to brokenness. It leads to death. It leads to breakups in marriages. Every divorce that takes place, you can take it back to sin. What a shame when Christians divorce. It says one or both are walking under the banner of the devil, walking in sin. Christian brother sues another Christian brother. They go to court. Two Christians. Paul said it was a shame. Why don't you rather be cheated than bring shame on the name of Jesus? Sin is ugly. And it reared its ugly demonic head in the Garden of Eden. And out of that flowed all that has happened upon the earth, the wars, the conflict. I was crying out to Jesus last night. I was, you know, for a long time I didn't cry. I never cried. Now it seems like that's all I can do. I was weeping before the Lord and saying, Lord, this whole impeachment thing is so ugly. It is so demonic. It is so wicked. The conflict, the wars, the war in Syria, the war in, in Yemen, the civil war in Nigeria, the Sudan, Iraq, Afghanistan. Many of them started by America. The conflict between America and China. America and Russia. On every level, the flowing tide of desperate evil is rearing its head in every unclean thing. Marriage has been destroyed in America. Children are being destroyed and sexually abused in America. Women have been such an object of terrible persecution in this world. Women have been abused by men in every respect. It breaks my heart. I'm saying, Lord, look what sin is doing to us. 
We need our Savior to come and lift the sin from our hearts. So now the word comes. Glory to God in the highest and upon the earth peace. But don't stop there. It's not peace for everybody. We don't see peace in the world. We see war. We don't see peace in the family. We see war. We don't see peace in America. Right now it looks like the state of Virginia, the wicked governor of Virginia, is doing everything he can to start a civil war. Thinking that he can turn back the Second Amendment so that people can't defend themselves from those who will attack. It's a natural born right of every human being to protect themselves. But our wicked governor in Virginia says, No, we're going to take your guns. The war with England started when the crown decided to confiscate the weapons. And the rebels, or the patriots as we call them, said, no, you're not going to take our guns. And the British had to flee. They had to flee because the withering fire of the patriots drove them off. I am praying that the militias that are forming in the state of Virginia will not have to fire on the National Guard. I'm praying that God will step in and even if necessary, remove this wicked governor in whatever way necessary. This this governor is so evil, so depraved. He has no redeeming quality. He is following a demonic course of action. And I'm asking Jesus to remove him so that we don't have a civil war start in the state of Virginia. Virginia is for lovers, not for people who fight. But I want you to see this. This is Luke, the second chapter, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and upon the earth, peace, that is, shalom, full provision, among people of divine favor. This peace of Jesus is not for everybody. Jesus came to bring peace for all. But this verse is clearly indicating that peace will only be for those who repent and who turn to Jesus who are crucified with Christ who are brought into Jesus I want to read you a passage of scripture out of 1 Peter the second chapter Verse 24, who himself bore up or carried away 
who took the burden, namely our sin. Sin is the burden. Jesus himself bore our sins in his body. He didn't become sin. He bore the sins on his body, on the tree, that we, having died to the sins, might live in the sphere of righteousness or innocence. Real, life-changing innocence. This atonement is described as giving us total abandonment from our sin, being utterly released from our sin by the word of whom you are restored, by the wound of whom you are restored. For you used to be a sheep being led astray, but now you were returned by the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Is Jesus today the overseer of your soul? Is he your shepherd? Christmas is not about parties and tinsel. Christmas is about our coming, humbling our hearts before God and receiving this wonderful gift of no longer being afraid, of letting God remove all fear from our hearts, of carrying that fear away by his wounds and restoring us. Sin brings fear. Sin brings fear. Fear is to expect punishment. You expect punishment for wrongdoing. If you're walking clean today before Jesus, there's no fear in your heart. If there is fear in your heart, you need to come before Jesus and hear today the good news that he wants to lift that burden from your heart. How does he do it? By his shed blood. What do you have to do? Come and kneel down before him. Confess your sin and ask him to remove it from you. Ask him to forgive you, which in the Greek is the word aphemi, which means to remove. The scripture I've just shared with you in First Peter, the second chapter, beginning in verse 24, who himself bore up our sins, that is, he lifted up our sins by his broken body on the tree, having died to sins, may we live in the sphere of righteousness. So we join Jesus on that cross. We are crucified with Christ. And we no longer fear. We no longer fear having not enough money or sickness or loss of friends or scorn or loss of a job. We don't fear anything because our whole trust is now in Jesus Christ because he has lifted the burden up off our heart and now he will guide our steps. He will tell us where to go. He will tell us what to do. Stop being afraid. Put your confidence in Jesus. He loves you. Almighty Father, I plead today that you would lift the burden of sin off the heart of every person listening. 
I ask, Jesus, that you would remove all fear from their hearts, that you would bring them the shalom peace, all provision. I ask that you would heal their bodies and their souls. Lord, right now, I ask that you would heal their body and soul and break every addiction, break every sin that has them in its grip. Release them and set them free. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Would you give a gift for Jesus today? Would you go online to nationalprayerchapel.com and would you give a gift to Jesus for this radio broadcast so that next month I can still be on the air? Or would you write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. This is strictly a faith ministry. It is supported as Jesus moves in your heart to generously give. So I pray that today you will, right after the broadcast, go to our webpage, and give as the Lord directs you, nationalprayerchapel.com. Or write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Thank you for listening today. I'll continue praying that you will have no fear. Jesus was born in the manger. God bless you, my brother and my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.